I'm going to continue in a series that I started uh, because it's titled How to Get the Life and Freedom and Joy in Scripture. Uh, so this is part two, and there's a lot to that. I kind of said how, and I re- didn't really get to the how. So we're going to start getting to the how. But in order to get to the how, we need to kind of locate where you're at or where some people you know are at. And I mentioned five different categories of people uh, in their relationship with scripture. And so we're, we're, we're all over the map with that. And that's totally fine because we're all people and we're different and we have a different history and all of that. But today we're going to talk about uh, keeping your joy. So I'm going to be addressing this to the people that already love scripture and maybe you've never had a problem with scripture or maybe you're brand new to this whole Christianity thing and you have those rose colored glasses on and you're just inhaling the word of God and you love it and it's just great and you see like this is it right (laughs) and so uh this is a particular camp that honestly has not had a problem with scripture maybe maybe they're in your honeymoon period with Christianity maybe you just have such a pure heart that that transcends everything that you see the love and joy in um in amidst imperfection uh, you see the love and joy um, in midst of Bible that presents a lot of different pictures and people that maybe are representing God that are, you know, we're, we're all in different places, aren't we? Uh, I'm going to talk to those people because the truth is scripture was intended to serve you and be a source of life. And we want to keep it that way. Uh, I think it's tragic when when we lose something that God intended for us to be an incredible blessing and a source, a conduit of life. And we lose it because we've run into uh, spirits of religion. Uh, we run into nasty people who beat us up with the Bible. Uh, we have, you know, crappy things happen in our lives and we get mad with God, whatever that is. Uh, God, you know, the word of God is a person. Jesus is the word. Um, and the Bible is a book that points to the one who is the word and where it does that accurately or we interpret it in an accurate way, it's life-giving. In the places where maybe we get some opinions of people that are not how God said, I never had this in my heart for you to be sacrificing babies to Moloch, right? So, uh, so in the Bible, it talks about, you know, killing babies and what, what is that all about? And is that the real God? The answer is no. But it has that in there. It didn't scrub it squeaky clean uh, because it was worried about a PR problem. So how do we deal with this stuff? How do we continue to glean life from the scripture we already love and not get um, disillusioned, not get um, not get hung up with the hard passages, you know, not not all of that. So we get it all, don't we? And we want to continue. So if we can avoid. You know, some of us uh, had such a hard time with 
uh, religiosity and things like that, that honestly, you just can't even look at a scripture. We feel ill because it's connected with something traumatic. We'll talk about those people later. But today we're talking about the happy campers and how to keep the happy campers happy. <laughs> okay. So if you're new to Christianity and the Bible, you may be in a honeymoon period where everything is perfect. <laughs> and the thing is with honeymoon periods, you kind of wake up and you realize, well, maybe not everything is so rosy. Maybe all those people that seem to like have all the answers and seem so holy or are not so, uh, not acting all that way, all of that. And then if you are just a happy camper, transcendent in your joy, we want to keep you in that happy place. So let's talk about this. So we need to uh, have a strategy, and I want to help you with a strategy of how to deal with uh, scripture, with the church, when it really looks unlovely, when it looks scary. Understand, you know, the church is more of a hospital uh, for people who are uh, recovering, right, have got things going on. Uh, that it is like this refuge of perfection <laughs> where people have it all together. Uh, no leaders have it figured out. Uh, and it's important that we don't idolize uh, people. It's important that we look clear-eyed to with what scripture actually is. When scripture points to God who is lovely, who gives himself up for his his creation doesn't demand his creation serve and sacrifice for him, right? He is love. When it doesn't look like love, what do we do? So we have to understand, number one, a couple things about scripture. So most scripture was written from the perspective of the old covenant, which intrinsically means that the real nature of God was veiled, right? Uh, so second Corinthians 3, 13 through 16 talks about that. God's true nature, um, has, had been veiled actually ever since the fall where the lie of separation came in. Like you did something that I didn't want you to do. So I'm going to separate myself from you. Well, no, that's not God. <laughs> As a matter of fact, God was hunting for Adam and Eve. Uh, his wife later became, became named Eve and say, where are you? So the separation happened with them in their minds. Their minds got veiled. So how we approach scripture so that it is life-giving and remains life-giving is all, uh, all about the filters that we see things through. Okay. So let me give you some happy God filters, some filters that'll keep you safe and vibrant and joyful in the midst of yuck, in the midst of yuck in the church, when the church is looking like yuck, in the midst of scripture, where it looks like, why are we supposed to be killing babies? And why was that okay? And suddenly you're a God of love, but now you look like you're want to wipe out the human race. And what's all this about, right? So let's, let's go to these God filters. The God filters are the filter of unconditional love. Like it is love that is other giving. See, God doesn't change. He was that before the foundation of the world. He's that now, and he'll, he's that for eternity. He can't not be that. And unconditional love looks like other giving, self-sacrificing love, interpreting wrath from that perspective, interpreting judgment from that perspective, interpreting 
like, why does evil happen in the world from that perspective? These are good questions, but filter it through that. Uh, the filter of unlimited grace. In other words, that's God sacrificing, giving for you. He's not short. He doesn't just give you a little bit. He has given you all of himself and he's the spirit of grace from the filter of the finished work and rest. Like it's finished. So you can rest. So the problem is not trying to get something, God to finish something or do something. The issue is awakening to what God, who God already is and always has been and um, being able to receive what that finished work means and have that word become flesh. He's already, you already are complete in him. You already are holy because he made you that way. You're already all that. And it's an unveiling and an awakening process that will help you. Even as you look at scripture and he talks about the old man being dead. That means the sinful nature is dead. You don't have a sinful nature. You have sinful ideas. You have uh, uh, you have maybe have behavioral patterns and programs that result in sinful behavior, but you are holy. And to the extent that you're confused about that, you're going to do unholy things that are counter to your nature. Uh, everything's centering around Christ. Um, this is basically, he's in there for you. He said, as you remain in me and me and you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, we can do nothing. See, see, God was never apart from his creation. He didn't just create creation and then spin it out. Bye-bye. Good luck with that. <laughs> he's in it and in all and sustaining all things and awakening to that. It's the knowledge of the glory that we're awakening to. Not, well, this place has a glory and that place doesn't. And this person is has glory, but that person doesn't. No, it's all glorious. And to the state that we're not tracking with that, we are blind. That's what the word of God says. John went. <laughs> okay. To the the things that are, are uh, consistent with the fruit of the spirit. Listen, if a teaching in the Bible is not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control... There's a either a part of it that is reflecting God inaccurate. It's inaccurately. It's veiled as in the old covenant. It is someone's opinion of God and their relationship. Understand, especially in the ancient cultures, their gods, okay, were wrathful. They were sacrifice your babies for me. There were these people are holy. These people are not. They, all of that. Okay. And so it's going to portray that. Why? Because that's the perspective. God meets us in our perspectives to try to lift us up out of our perspectives and help us transcend, but understand it's an unfolding of the revelation of who God really is. The father is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. So if that is God unveiled, we need to get to know Jesus, the Christ, who became incarnate so he could dive into the alienation of humanity and lift up humanity from the inside out. That's what a God of love does. The goodness of God. He's always good. And guess what? Good feels like good. It's not he put sickness on me to teach me something. That's not good. 
That's called child abuse, okay? And if inside you have a theological premise or a way you're looking at the Bible that looks like not good, and inside you're going, that doesn't feel good, ding to ding ding. That is probably Holy Spirit and you saying, that's not me. Let me help you with that. Let me help you with that because that's not me. I'm good. I'm always good. God is light. And in him, there's no shadow of turning. He's always light. There's no darkness. But what happens is humanity in our blindness can't see the light. So we're looking out through yucky filters and then projecting that on God. Okay. So I'll throw that in there. Let's talk about hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is basically a way to study scripture. It's a fancy word. You get more money if you use it. So. <laughs> so anyway, it's a, it's a theological term, but it's a good one. And it's basically, how do I interpret the word? What are, what are the, the, the methods that I'm using so that I can rightly divide the word of God, right? Rightly interpret the word of God. Let me help you with that because that will help keep your joy. When it says women are not permitted to speak in the church, well, you could just, you just wiped out 50% of the population that we're just supposed to be muzzled that is not happy. Okay. If it looks like, wow, God is tolerating slaves and that's okay. Well, you just wiped out everybody, every race, every, every people group that's ever been enslaved. That's not happy. So let's get some good hermeneutics. So God doesn't look like a sexist, uh, a sexist, racist, um, oppressor. Okay. Uh, that kills babies. Okay. Let's get some help. Shall we? Okay. So first, first one, who is the author speaking to? Is this for all people, for all time, under all circumstances, or for a specific people, a specific person, for a specific time, for a specific circumstance? Okay. Uh, you know, if, if I tell my, little child, uh, that, you know, that they can't go outside. Well, that doesn't mean for the rest of their life. <laughs> that means for that, or that all children should not go outside or, uh, you know, that, um, uh, under every circumstance, children should never go outside. No, that probably meant for that child, for that circumstance in that time, it was not time to go outside. And so we need to appro uh, approach the Bible that same way. Uh, really important. What is the historical, cultural, political, economic background of the author and the author's audience? Listen, when Paul was speaking to people in his time, they were not in an election with Donald Trump and Joe Biden. <laughs> they were in a different culture. So he's going to be speaking to them and they're going to be resonating. It's going to be absolutely clear that they know exactly what he means because he's speaking in their language, in their culture for their time. This is really important. And what happens is we make a big mistake and it's called eisegesis. Okay. That's not Jesus as in um, Jesus the Christ. It's E-I-S-E-G-E-S-I-S. -E -E -S -S. This is where we interpret a text by imposing or reading into it our own ideas, right? So when we impose that on it, 
So we impose like, well, you know, this is what Isaiah was saying. So now we're in the end times, the Antichrist has come and we're all going to get our heads chopped off. Okay. You know, this is imposing it. No, God, God was speaking through this person and they were speaking to a particular people in a particular time with a particular political, economic, uh, culture. Um, and they would understand exactly what that meant. Right. So we need to be careful. If I have an agenda uh, and that I want to promote my agenda, I can pretty much make the Bible read anything. <laughs> but it violates uh, this concept of keeping this hermeneutic uh, pure, right? And it will make you unhappy. It'll also confuse you. It'll also end up when we do that, we violate what it's really saying and we get the fruit of that. It's the truth that sets us free in the inner man, not our particular agenda, the truth that we're happy to hop on for right now that I'm imposing on that. Listen, God is so great. He can transcend even the gross areas of scripture that see like, it's like, well, that right there, that's not me. <laughs> Let me show you what I am, right? Let me show you who I am. So that's really important. Because that violates uh, good uh, good study and good understanding. And people do that a lot with their agendas. We just impose it right in there and we make it speak to me and my time and my thing when it really wasn't speaking to me and my time and my thing with that agenda. And that is dishonest. Okay. <laughs> okay. But you'll be happy when you keep it honest. Okay. So another thing that'll that'll help you is what is the context of the scripture? So we take stuff out of context and suddenly no, um, I mean, I got to keep my head covered. I can't talk in church. Um, I'm have no authority whatsoever. And I got to Like if my husband wants to beat me, I got to suck it up. Okay. That's not happy. <laughs> so let's talk. Context is really important. The context includes the book in general. Like what is the whole book talking about? The chapters that proceed, chapters that follow, the outlay of the whole book. What are the verses before and after? See, because this, this brings in, so a lot of times Paul would start with a point in one chapter and then he would finish that point in a couple chapters later. But since we took it out of context and we just picked it right out, we are misunderstanding what he's saying. So when we do that, uh, we, it ends up meaning what it's not meant to be. And that is not happy. That is not happy. We want to be happy. <laughs> we want to keep you happy. So if the scripture's not serving in that way, if, you know, if you read something and in your gut, you're like, uh, okay, let me just help you. Trust your gut. Guess what? Guess who's living inside you? And he's saying, no, mm -mm, that's religious BS. No, that's not me. No, I never, that never entered my mind. You know, in, in the word, word, it talks about killing babies and doing all this stuff. And God is like, this never entered my mind. But he let it be in the Bible. Why? Because God's honest. He, a lot of our reflections are reflections of humans' perspectives. And that's important. That actually helps us as long as we handle it well. Because how many, how many of you and I have had really crappy perspectives? Well, maybe we just need to be ding to ding dang called out on our perspective, right? That is not patient. That is not kind. That is keeping records of wrongs. That's, that's delighting in evil. That is, you know, jealous. 
that is so insecure. I'm trying to puff myself up at other people's expense. We've all done it, right? So maybe, you know, maybe we need help with that. We need to see the length that we actually need help, that we are dependent on a lovely God who loves his creation and serves his creation and gives himself up for his creation to lift us up. So you know what? Feelings are not Lord, but pay attention to your feelings. Listen, if the sons and daughters of God are led by the spirit of God and your spirit, you're saying, well, I'm reading the Bible. You know, if we get into this place where the word says it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, you know, sometimes the word says really crazy things that you shouldn't believe because it's not what God meant. We're imposing something on it. I said, Jesus, we're reading out of context. We're applying it for all people, for all cultures, for all time. We're applying it in our socioeconomic, political, COVID-ridden, whatever that is thing. And that was like, no, that was for that time. We're applying it for, um, you know, for, for, uh, all genders, for all people. We get silly. And so, and that, and then scripture becomes it drowns you. It's more atheists have been created because um, uh, because of our insistence to read uh, a scripture from a flat, literal perspective that makes God look like a monster, right? And that's not him. So if we're going through these filters and then also using good hermeneutics, um, it will save us from that. You know, the other question is, does this fit with the nature of God? Like, is this the God you know? Like, if, the, if it's like, this is not the Jesus I know, well, let me just help you. It's probably not the Jesus you know. <laughs> so somewhere there's a disconnect. And, you know, not everything is, you know, even using these filters and this good hermeneutics and all that kind of thing. Um, there are things that I'm like, I have no idea. That's not looking really nice right there. <laughs> and you know what? And and it's okay because we don't have to have it all figured out. You know, the, the Western world is kind of in love with linear thinking and putting things in neat little boxes where we have it all figured out. The problem is not everything is linear and in neat little boxes, certainly not. God who is in all and trans all and sustains all, right? Certainly. And so we also have an abhorrence of mystery. Like I got to figure it all out. Well, you're not going to, and that's okay. The Eastern part of the church has had a, had a better and easier track record with the mystical and mystery. Now that doesn't mean that just because uh, like we can't know God, of course we're called to know God. He's love, but there are things that we're not going to get our heads around and that's okay. So we can, we can walk in this tension of understanding things precept upon precept, right? And this delightful mystery, knowing that we're love is infusing and upholding all things by the word of his power, that he delights in you. That is going to be all okay. Listen, if you read a scripture and it brings fear, well, back up because um, something's off. It, even if you can't figure it out with all the good hermeneutical thing, things, even if uh, the filters are not whatever, God is love and perfect love casts out fear. Zero tolerance for fear. So you've got to see, even if you don't have it all figured out, 
that you can back up. It's like, wait a second, God is love. He adores me. He adores every single human being. And perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in judgment because perfect love casts out fear. And as he is, so are we in this world. So I've already been judged as Christ is now in this world. So there's no fear. And he's huge. And it's going to be okay. <sighs> I feel so much better. <laughs> and and so it's really important that we don't force scripture in this flat reading. I'm going to talk a little more about this particular group that has a tendency to force, do violence to scripture, really, and force it to make it mean something because we're reading it from a flat, literal perspective. And the fruit is death. And that's why people, you know, uh, start, I can't read, I understand that. And we're going to also talk about the people that honestly have been so traumatized by religion and just have it, had it stuffed down their gills for so long, they can't deal with the scripture. And we're going to talk about that too. I wanted to take care of our happy campers first to keep them happy. And then we're going to move forward uh, next time with some of the other categories of people in the relationship with scripture. Because I personally believe that you get it all. You get scripture in a way that breathes life in you. You don't have to do it. Because if you have to, if, you know, if, if you're not free not to, you're not free to. And if you're not free to, you're not free not to. But we want to be free. That means we don't want to have something robbed from us because religion has made it noxious. I hope uh, this has been a blessing and a help. I do have a, um, uh, a series that I did, a blog series that I did on how to interpret scripture uh, which uh, goes over a lot of these concepts so you can have it written. Uh, I included the, uh, the link in my, uh, in my notes. Uh, so that can help you. Uh, and I hope this has been a blessing for you. I love you guys. Thank you for joining. Have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.